0: Your host Eric Balance and this is the Resilient Minds Podcast. Join me as I explore the capabilities of our minds and how our x-factor can become our y-factor. Now is our time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Resilient Minds podcast. I'm really excited to be here today with one of the co-founders and directors of Humanitix, Mr. Adam McCurdy. Um, and before, and my apologies if I mispronounced the last name, Adam. But I just wanted to, before just briefly say that their mission at Humanitix is to provide opportunity through education. To every child who's left behind with poverty, disadvantage, or disability. So, well, welcome, Mr. Adam. How are you, my friend?
1: Great. Thanks, Eric. I'm really happy to be here.
0: Super excited to have you, my friend. It's a pleasure and an honest, um, great way to really, you know, give to the masses. How long? I really want to get started off, you know, and get excited about, you know, how long have you, you know, yourself and your co-founder Josh? Um, been on this journey
1: Well we originally became friends in high school uh, which was I don't know whatever that was 13 14 years ago Lovely. and th- that's when our relationship first started and uh, but really humanitics started five years ago and it's been ever since then that we took that plunge and took that leap into taking what was a crazy idea in, you know, redistributing the profits from booking fees and events, ticketing to fund education and just saying, you know what, let's, let's give this a go and let's, let's risk it and, and use our own money to fund the, you know, fund its growth and its creation.
0: Amazing, so tell us a little bit about humanities because you know you mentioned a little bit about profits and that re- and that distribution of the booking fees, and I think that you know we um, a lot of people can get confused with where the profits go, how they're being distributed um, and it's yeah. fascinating because you know I personally even even got confused with that, so I think that it's an opportunity to maybe clarify and verify for so many people of what specifically Humanitix does and how they're able to help so many people.
1: Sure. Well, the events ticketing industry uh, itself generates billions and billions of dollars in booking fees every single year. And that's that $5, $10, maybe $20 booking fee you see right at the end of a transaction when you're buying a ticket to everything from a music festival to a conference or a workshop or a cooking class or anything of that nature. And everybody hates booking fees. And we thought to ourselves, well, what if we could create the first not-for-profit ticketing platform that event organizers can use to create ticketing pages and sell tickets to their events? And that could be any event from a 10-person yoga class or cooking class all the way through to thousands of people at a festival or a conference or a gala dinner an awards night, anything. They can use our platform instead And those profits from all those booking fees of their event will rather be redistributed through our model into funding either Indigenous scholarships here in Australia or our girls' education program, which focuses on providing education to the most disadvantaged girls in low-income countries. And that would be a much better outcome if we could could produce that and we could create a multi-million dollar annuity-like funding stream into these programs at no cost to anyone, because it's just fun re- redistributing the profits of these booking fees that were being produced. As it's turned out, in the process of, of creating Humanitix, we've also found a way to lower booking fees. So now we're in the situation that organizers use Humanitix you know, instead of other platforms, because they say, well, I love what you're doing uh, around you know, using the profits of these fees to fund you know, either my choice of either the Indigenous scholarships or the girls' literacy programs, but your booking fees are also lower, so everyone's saving money in the process, yeah. and that's that's just been an awesome kind of uh, one-two punch that just makes so much sense, and it's been really the backbone of why we've grown so quickly.
0: I love it, and I think so. I think that, that that's that's huge, and and the fact that you guys have really you know changed and disrupted kind of. Um, the the industry at, at that category and that level um so fast right over the past five years i mean um for for an industry that's been around for quite some time <laughs> mm. and uh now moving forward is like you know what else is possible you know um peter Diamandis he talks always about you know where, where the next that moore's law right or rose's law moving forward you know how it's continuously evolving and disrupting to the next level um mm. from from past and moving forward and I think, so where do you think this is going in the next decade?
1: Well, it's it's amazing from a a more broader perspective to watch social enterprises and for purpose models become much more common now, which is great in every single industry. And I think that trend is gonna continue. And I think consumers and businesses are really more and more getting behind those types of brands and those types of services. I mean, we see it ourselves in events ticketing where the event organizers event is now attributed to funding an, an indigenous child's scholarship for the year. And that for their own brand is very powerful to communicate that to their customers. So it becomes good business, uh, to do the right thing and to be a part of something that's that's pushing the world forward in a benevolent way. And so I think that should only continue more and more, um, for us over the next 10 years, you know, we're we're really focused on ticketing. We're doing it. We've grown tremendously and we're doing a fortune of good work, but there's so much more left to go. Um, so for us, it's a matter of keeping on improving the platform so that we can be going after bigger, more sophisticated um, events um, to essentially capture more booking fees and redistribute more profits into education programs. Um, it's been awesome that we've got the support of our biggest backers are the foundations of Google and Atlassian. And it's with their help and our engineering team, you know, we've managed to do great work in creating a, a piece of technology, a platform that really stands on its own, but our ambition is to really be the leader in technology as well in the advanced ticketing space because organisers, in, in my opinion, when it comes to a, a social enterprise or a full-purpose model, it's incredibly important that that the founders and the team recognize that the only way this social enterprise is going to flourish and their social enterprise can flourish is if the price point that they're offering their service and the actual, whether it's technology or whatever it is, the actual good or service that they're providing strives to be as good or the best in its industry, as well as being the most ethical and uh, best outcome for the planet 100%. that gets used. I love that.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I read I read I read one of those articles about, you know, how you guys are for at the forefront of the IT category as well. Right. Um, you know, an it company with a great model and, and really, really establishing yourself, yourselves in that way and providing also with that integrity, that ethical standpoint, I think is, is, is amazing. is beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I, I always talk about, you know, um, on the podcast with the show with the, with a lot of the listeners, we discuss, you know people's X factor and their Y factor. And I often say, you know, what, what your X factor really determines your Y factor and X factor being your experience, your experience of, you know, life of appreciation of what, so what behind your X factor or your experience has allowed you to really push, you know, push your limit. What is your X factor? I guess to be, to be real, real, real um, forward with it. What's the X factor?
1: Honestly, I've reflected on this quite a bit also with my co-founder, Josh. uh, And it's, it's having a good co-founder relationship. That's, Mm -hmm. that's it. That's, that's the everything. Um, You know, we started this on, I I was a management consultant as a, you know, a trained engineer. Josh was in finance. He was working at at a hedge fund and we had this crazy idea. And, you know, it's very difficult to raise money for a not-for-profit so long story short we have to fund it ourselves but we don't come from a lot of money so we were faced with a tough choice do we keep building humanities in our spare time and trying and you know it's very difficult to get something going just in your spare time or do we take the leap and really go at it full-time so what we ended up doing is on a handshake just saying okay why don't I because of my engineering background leave my job, give up my salary and focus on humanitics full time. Whilst at the same time, Josh would stay in his job and then we would share his salary so that we would both be making the same financial sacrifice. And that would be a way that we could have give humanities a really, really good shot while simultaneously keeping ourselves financially afloat by being able to provide for ourselves and, and seed and funding the, you know, the seed funding of the business and we did that for 16 months just on a handshake and it worked out fantastically there were no major arguments or issues and then after 16 months you know Josh joined me full time at that stage we still hadn't raised any money so then we were volunteering both full time in the platform but at that stage it was really kind of picking up steam and becoming a thing and it was only months after that that we raised our first money from some amazing pioneering philanthropists who saw what we were doing and thought it was awesome and made a lot of sense. And, you know, then, then, you know, we grew the team from there. But I think really that, that is kind of really transcended into our team's culture, into the way that we treat our clients, our event organizers, um, and just kind of on the day-to-day personal basis, the way that I stay motivated and uh, we just complement each other incredibly well. So um,
0: I love it. I've got
1: different skills, but similar skills, a similar mindset, but different points of view. It's, it's, it's been a, part luck, part, I don't know what, but it's been amazing. It's definitely our X factor.
0: I love it. I think that that's, that's brilliant. And the fact of massive trust, right? Like for 16 months to have that type of trust into um, one another, right? Essentially is huge, right? So that like trick, that's a huge trickle down effect that I, I would love. So what, what about the big why behind it? What about the big why behind all of this behind, you know, what you guys bring to the table? What's the big
1: why? The big wise us we we traveled a hell of a lot and you know we've had a long history of a long friendship. And you know, when it was coming to the pointy end of, you know, deciding on a career and deciding what to do with, with, with our lives long term, we just really started asking each other the tough questions of, of what the hell do we want to be doing with our time? And what is the best thing to be doing with our time? And to us, what really resonated the most was giving others the similar type of opportunity that we have. Growing up in Australia, um, incredible country. I, we both received great educations. We went on to university. We've given all, been given all the opportunity in life. That's unfortunately not, not the common story around the rest of the planet, in many, in many, many areas. And so we thought, you know, to us, what, what should we do with our time? And if that's really, really important to us, then how can we make the biggest impact uh, in that? And Typically there's two options. One is, is that you try and make as much money as you can by doing whatever you can to make the money. And then later on in life, start to become a philanthropist. And there's lots who do that and they do amazing work and it's a very noble path. The second option is to, from day one, go you know volunteer in a third world country. And uh, But often that's not a very sustainable strategy for people because they themselves end up being uh you know financially dependent on other things and and not being able to support themselves it's a very very difficult part but we thought perhaps there's a third way and a way that we could produce way more impact than on our own which would be what if we could use our skills that we've gained to create a business that disrupts a giant industry and harvests all of its profits into funding education programs for disadvantaged kids surely that's a way that our combined efforts of just the two of us could produce so much more impact than the two of us on our own working at a charity or trying to get lucky in life and make a lot of money and maybe in 40 years time turning around and donating money so you know it was really that third path and recognizing that what the hell do we want to be doing with our time yeah and that to us this is honestly the most this is the best thing that we can be doing with our time it's disruptive technology business global growth all for the sake of providing education for disadvantaged students it's like you're getting it's just just the perfect combination in our minds of, yeah. of what's exciting and fulfilling and providing a great contribution to the planet
0: yeah you're so you're fulfilling
1: you're 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 helping so many
0: individuals you can like it's so like you said it's all encompassing right it allows you to really um, you know, so many people, they look on that mission of like, you know, wanting to give and, 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 appreciate more and, and you can do that every single day. Cause you're, you're appreciating your life. You're, you're giving more, you're supporting more, you're, you're, you're stepping it up into to the next level, um, yeah. ongoingly. So tell me about, um, you know, you, you, you know, and that really at the forefront is resilience. I think that there's been so many, so much resilience that you and Josh have, Josh have gone through. And pushing that consistently, you know, for mm. the 16 months that he was, you know, on the handshake and then moving forward consistently. So, you know, that's tremendous, right? Like the, the resilience mm. that's needed and associated with that, I think that is, you know, really, um, I, I definitely, you know, admire that tremendously. So, um, you
1: know, you see it in our team now. Uh, we, we've, yeah. got a, we've got a big team predominantly here in Australia, um, also in New Zealand. And um you know when when an account manager is taking care of an event organizer to make sure that they're they're happy and they're being ta- you know they're being set up properly and uh, answering any of their questions, there's that care factor of wanting to satisfy clients and make a business thrive and, and do well by doing well by your clients, which is you know intrinsic in every company, but at the same time, they know that whatever they do and however happy that they make that client translates directly into the number of indigenous scholarships that we provide. And they know that the happier they make a client, the more likely a client is going to refer us as like, you know, you should use humanities instead of Eventbrite or whoever, and that that's going to translate into more indigenous scholarships. So uh, our, our software engineers are exactly the same thing, where they'll be solving complex engineering problems within, you know, seating maps of complex seating arrangements and ticket allocations, and all that kind of stuff that's really nitty gritty hard engineering that translates into girls, literacy programs in disadvantaged countries. It's, it's, it's amazing. And and, you know, it's important
0: to let people know that there's, there's awareness that there's something out there like that, because you know, as successful as you guys have been, I'm I'm certain there's people out there that still, you know, aren't certain, they don't know, right. They don't know what they don't know. So it's an opportunity for people to be like, wow, there's another platform that actually gives back more. And, and it, it still would get me the same result that, that I would using any other platform, but now I can actually do something more powerfully in congruence and, and aligned with their overall
1: mission and your overall mission. And it works just mm. hand in
0: hand. And I think it's just, it's, it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. And, that,
1: and that's why we actually went for a not-for-profit model. So mm-hmm. Humanitix is actually a registered charity. Uh, and. And what that means is, is that there are no shareholders of Humanitix, so that there is no equity. There is no, we get successful and Ticketmaster buys us for a billion dollars. That, that's just not a possibility. Um, it also means that there's no shareholders who have uh, you know, invested in Humanitix and are waiting for their return. Uh, you know, the Atlassians and the Googles that have given us money, that's purely a donation. And all the other philanthropists that have supported us, it's purely a donation. So. Um, we found that that was a much cleaner model to go with, albeit it was very difficult to raise money for a not-for-profit ticketing platform, um, <laughs> yeah. near impossible. But you know, we found our believers, we got there. But we thought if we could pull it off as a not-for-profit, the whole model is so much more clean because you're, you're able to just redistribute all your profits from booking fees without having to worry about shareholders needing their return, which is typically that, that kind of trade-off for an organization.
0: I love it. And, uh, you know, just so we can maybe actually even clarify a few things, because I think there's, there may be a lot of listeners that don't really know what a, how a not for profit works, you know, if they wanted to, Mm. you know, because how specifically, you know, do you, do you, you know, sustain yourself as an entrepreneur, as a, you know, as a business, as you know, there's still, there's still going to be overhead, there's still going to be, you know, um, employees, there's still going to be, So I guess if you don't mind clarifying and verifying for everybody that's listening, you know, that what what a not-for-profit still at the end of the day means, um, so people are clear.
1: Yeah, a not-for-profit really just, uh, means that there are no shareholders of the business. So everyone that works for a not-for-profit and there's, there's lots of them earns a salary, um, in just the same way as anyone would at a company and it's the right thing to pay people what they're worth. So our engineers earn engineering salaries that everyone earns. Um, it's it's unethical to pay people less <laughs> than what they're Absolutely. worth, and so people earn salaries. The difference um, in a not-for-profit compared to a you know, regular for-profit company is that in a for-profit company, typically you have the founders that own a lot of equity, then you have venture capitalists and investors who invested in the company that own a percentage of the company Um, and maybe some of the employees too have been given some equity and own a percentage of the company and what that means is over time they're able to sell that equity to somebody else for a return they're able to sell their shares and get money for it and long term it means that they can even list on the stock market in an IPO and so now you can become a publicly traded company by selling a lot of your shares over to the public market, and again, you can make an absolute fortune if you're running a you know multi-billion dollar company that ends up um, IPOing, or, and you know that's really the key difference. But in a not-for-profit, there is no equity, and yep. not just that, there is a constitution, which by uh, not to go too much into the detail of the law, but it, it's called a company limited by guarantee, which essentially means that if Humanitix or any not-for-profit, which is typically a company limited by guarantee, if its assets, if the company needs to be wound up and its assets sold, the money received from selling those assets needs to be directed into the mission that the company has set out in its constitution. Yes. And that mission is uh, typically a benevolent mission. In our case, it's funding education for disadvantaged students. So if we were ever, if we ever had to sell Humanitix and just sell its assets, we as owners or whatever, nobody can extract a return from selling those assets. We would have to sell those assets, get the money, and then that money would be redistributed into more education programs. Unfortunately, that would mean humanities would be would be over, which would be yeah. sad. But um, that's the key difference with a not-for-profit model. It's the equity, it's the it's the shareholding. So in our case, another way to look at it is that instead of having shareholders, it's the disadvantaged students like the girls literacy programs and the indigenous scholarships they are our shareholders because those kids are the ones that receive all the profits Mm -hmm. from the company which is typically what shareholders would receive they receive the profits of the company
0: i love it Um, i think and i think that that's um there's a lot of principles behind that and i guess you know you know i'm a big fan of ray dalio and he really he really talks about you know how your values and your actions come together to create um your principles right and you know how that's really important so i guess i'd love to know um and i think that this really kind of ties in real beautifully with your mission you know is how do your values really show up in your work in in your in that mission
1: um Honestly, I, I, it's just it, a lot of it is giving a shit, and we we give a shit about each other as a team. We give a shit about our clients. We care. It's we genuinely care, and then we care about the world, which is why we're we've created a not-for-profit that funds education for disadvantaged kids. And I think it's just that that caring factor and caring for others and looking out for other people, that that goes across everything that we do. Um, And it's, you know, it's, it's really easy to, it becomes easier to create a nice company culture when you're in that kind of position, you know, for our first few years, creating humanitics, we were working, moved back to my parents' place and we were working out of their garage and my grandpa's like lives with my, with my parents now, he's like the sweetest old man, the dog. And we, we grew up to a team of 10 in my parents' place. And, you know, they'd come over, they'd see Henry, my grandpa, you know, they'd see the dog, you know, my parents, my parents are thankfully lovely people who, to be honest, I think they were a bit lonely at home, so they they were thrilled to have the business. <laughs> they've, they've been sad. Too. I love parents, we're so
0: blessed to have them, aren't we? But,
1: but yeah, and they, they're they amazing, and it's, uh, you know, and so it's just that kind of family vibe, it's caring about, caring about each other, caring about our clients, caring about the kids that, whose education that we fund, um and there's just no bullshit uh, where you can uh, no one's it's impossible to put on a you know work face or bullshit work persona if you're in that kind of an environment and, and i think that's made it easier for us to to have a fantastic culture
0: adam has it always
1: been like that for you bro
0: because like you know i have great parents i literally just got off the phone with them just before we got out the thing you know i was saying they're in canada and i'm saying hey mm. bye like i got to go you know i have great you know the, i give a shit about people too now mm. um but I mean, at the end of the day, for me, it hasn't, wasn't always like that. It was, you know, sometimes I was, uh, you know, not the nicest person in the world. So has there been, you know, some trials and tribulations that, you know, you've experienced, um, that have really kind of been, you know, a decision maker where you're like, no, I'm, I'm going this way versus the other way. Um, or has it been more of, you know, what's the journey been on for yourself, for you specifically, um, you know, and how did that tie back into humanities?
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, my parents have been amazingly supportive over the whole journey. I've got so much to thank them for. They, um, you know, where I think a lot of parents would be concerned. I was, you know, I studied engineering and mathematics at university. I was always, you know, into the sciences and into building things and making things. And I got a great job at a really great consulting firm, working on really big, interesting projects um, with very intelligent people uh you know and and doing that for for a, a number of years and when when i decided you know in collaboration with josh et etc to just say you know what i i really want to just go off and do my own thing and i really want to go off and pursue this crazy idea of a platform that's a charity that funds its education programs through events ticketing and disrupts an industry and i know you've never heard anything like it before but you know, I think this could be really cool, and I think this could work. Um, my parents were incredibly supportive. They just said, "You know, uh, go for it." Mm-hmm. And and I and I, I I count myself pretty grateful for that because I don't think um, I don't think that's necessarily the case for everyone. Um, so that that was awesome. Um, what about before but, that? You
0: know, yeah, well, like, what about? Because I same, you know, like family is so important, and I love that you touched on it because I think that. Um, we're brut, we're blessed. We have family, we have people behind us that support us. We, you know, you, you ended up having a great co-founder. Um, but people that are on the journey that don't have that type of support that they, they don't have that support behind them. I just really want to touch on, is there anything that they can do, um, that really allows them to push back because sometimes that, you know, it could be a lonely road, right? Uh, you can be a lonely road and it's that push that desire, that hunger to want to create, do more, be more, accomplish more in life. Mm -hmm. What is it that kept you going no matter what?
1: I would say those people find your people. If you don't have people, it's you've got two choices you can do both at the same time. You, You know, you got one is you can say, all right, how do I become, whether it's, you know, I'm just gonna meditate more, I'm gonna become more focused and become more driven and I'm gonna push through this adversity, I'm gonna push through this loneliness and I'm just gonna find a a will, I'm gonna find a way, I'm I'm gonna get there. Um, You know, I'd say that's all great. Um, I'm a big advocate of meditation, self-improvement, the works. I'd say do all that, but try solve the lonely thing too try find p- your people, try find whether that is a co-founder, whether that is a a friend or a mentor, but a real mentor, not a mentor who's just kind of taking a fee to just provide you some shady advice. I'm talking a real somebody that believes in you and says, I really like this and I really respect your ambition and I respect whatever. And you know what? I want to, I want to help you. And that makes a big difference and that's tough to find. So you need a bit of uh patience I think but you've got to just be getting out there talking to people and not bullshitting just bring your bring your genuine self because if if you're coming uh, to somebody and they're asking you know how's your business and every time they ask you how's it going you're just like yeah it's great oh, it's awesome and you know things are things are doing well and things are you know and, you know you should you know it would be great to get your advice on this that doesn't most likely just gonna look at you and say well that's that's cool man sounds like sounds like you've got it all sorted. Good luck, and then you go home and you you know cry yourself to sleep because everything's not going so well, and you don't know, you know what's what's happening next. But there's a healthy amount of vulnerability that that you know you can show somebody to connect with somebody who then says, well, I really respect that. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'd love to help you. I really want to help this person, and then solve the solve the loneliness factor too, as well as the whole self improvement thing. Well, wow, that's really, um,
0: it's, uh, refreshing too, to see, because I think that there's so many, um, entrepreneurs out there that, um, they, they they fear the vulnerability or saying that, you know, because they see this big vision of what's possible that mm-hmm. they think that they have to know all of how the T's cross, how the I's are dotted. They know, mm-hmm. they need to know that roadmap right now. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes it's that willingness to, Holy cow. Yeah. I'm struggling. Um, and I may need some help and mm-hmm. I may need some help, or I may need to be vulnerable about, you know, about being surrounded and around incredible people. And the people that are incredible are only going to know how to help you if you ask for it. Right. right. Um, a quick story I got, it's so fascinating because you're talking, I, I, I jumped into platinum partnership with Tony and I had no idea what I was doing and it was scary, but all these amazing entrepreneurs were around me. And I was comparing how many of us compare like that. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. you know, I guess, and to turn that around is like, how have you ever compared yourself to somebody that's ahead of you?
1: That's yeah, very, very interesting. Yeah.
0: Uh, I'm asking, I, I genuinely would love to have you ever done that, Adam? Have you ever compared yourself to anybody that's ahead of you like that? You know, have you taken the time or, or thought, because you know I, I'm, I'm guilty of
1: it 100% yeah to be honest uh, I have and it's you, you stop it as much as you can because it's just it's not worth it I mean you, you you'll see somebody who's who's flying pretty fast and, and, and you know they they've reached great heights and they you know they're doing awesome things and they you know their their startup or, or business or whatever is taking off and you know yours is yours is taking a bit extra time um, but you just gotta remind yourself it's just a it's just such a waste of time. You're not you're not achieving anything, you're not doing anything, you're just you're just making yourself feel bad. And there's there's a there's a billion yardsticks you can use. It's like well, you okay, you can compare yourself also to everyone that's not flying, that's flying slower than you. Um, you know, so what? <laughs> um you, you know, just gotta try is, not do that there's so many
0: people, you know, startups that are going to be out there and they are be like, Holy cow, humanetics got, you know, Google or Atlassian, or they, you know, they, they were able to get this help and they're comparing themselves to, you know, right. what you guys have accomplished or what you guys have created. And, you know, my hope and my, uh, to anybody listening right now is like, you know, get, take the time to realize that, you know, there was a lot of hunger and a lot of resilience and a lot of push uh, behind the why you know, that Adam and Josh have continued to, to do and it continued to, and it trickles down to their team now. Right. Mm. Um, and it's, it's really beautiful to watch. And, and now it's like, this could be a time, you know, especially in these times where there's so much uncertainty, um, there's still an opportunity that if you decide to find it, if you decide to look for it. Mm.
1: I also think, uh, you know, a lot, what I see a lot of is, um, the startup founders or startups in general comparing themselves, um, to others, based on how much money they've raised and from who they've raised money, it, it's a you know, it's very important in many cases to raise money, and it's impressive in many ways to raise money from you know big venture capitalists or big companies, but that's not success. Success is happy clients, happy customers, and lots of them, and something that's providing value to whichever subset of people that you focused on providing value to and i think if you focus on that first of all it's far better for your business and it gives you more likelihood of raising money because when <laughs> when you get assessed for raising money they just you know they look at what's going on under the hood mm. and, but secondly when you focus on that you know there's less comparisons because it's just your world your game how do i make my clients happy how do i make my customers happy i do how do i make my service my product better how do i how do we grow more in that? And then everything else follows um, rather than comparing who raised what from Sequoia or whoever.
0: Yeah. Actually, you know, touching on raising money, cause I was kind of really, you know, I really wanted to get, uh, you know, just to see that process or understand it. Um, you know, and I'm sure a lot of, you know, the listeners would love to really understand what's the process of like, of, you know, raising money as a startup founder, as a, you know, as a startup company, you know, do you mind describing that process of what it looks like? Is it really, you know, long? Is it short? Is it something they can do people, you know, is there any resources out there, um, that, you know, somebody that would be listening right now would be excited about to, to, to figure
1: out from somebody that's been in their, in, in their shoes. Mm from my perspective, I don't think there is a standard path. There's many, many paths. You know, people can go into accelerators and as part of that accelerator, you then get put in some inside track, supposing that you make it through all the rounds of the accelerator. Um, So you've got access to capital via that. You know, for others and most, I mean, for us as a not-for-profit that was particularly unique, we had to really forge our own path there because we can't go to a Sequoia and say, hey, do you want to us money because they'll say well what's my how much equity do i get and we say none (laughs) and they say that doesn't sound like a good deal (laughs) (laughs) so you know so there's you know so we had to forge a very different path but i don't think there is a a consistent path i think um what a lot of i think some of the lessons I've, i've seen is that you've got some early founders who expect companies to give them money. Mm -hmm. they expect to raise money on an idea and nobody's going to give you money for an idea unless you are a proven rock star with a team that's done it one two three times before so that uh, you know a funder can look at you and say I know it's just an idea I know you haven't built anything but you've done this three times before three other companies you know how to crush it you know you've got all the infrastructure behind you to do it so I'm going to give you money uh, for just an idea if you're a first-time founder generally speaking you're not raising money on an idea so step one is not raising money step one is how to be scrappy as hell to put together a call it a pilot call it call it a minimum viable product call it whatever you want it's a it's a skateboard that's gonna get you to your car after you raise money and um, you you want to demonstrate value you want to demonstrate and actually being able to demonstrate success in other words revenue or users or whatever it is with a platform that is or whatever it is a, that's a very basic pilot type product or service is actually more impressive because you can then say to a potential funder look we, we were incredibly scrappy this is our story over the last whatever 6 12 months however long could be years we put together this 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 basic service we've got this many users which is super impressive for these reasons this is the feedback we're getting and this is where we know we need to get to next it's amazing that we've been able to achieve so much with so little resources yeah uh, we're now coming to you for funding because now we really want to make this thing go and that's very impressive because they'll say well that's that's amazing that's what we do with our ticketing platform we, you know when we first started we didn't build this rolls-royce ticketing platform that we're on now that's you know really competing with the best out there for features and functionality. You know, we didn't we didn't start like that. We started with a very basic ticketing platform that could only cater to small, you know, 20-100 person events, very minimal requirements and features that we offered. And um, we got such big user growth in just that small section of the events market that when it came to raising money from philanthropists we said to them, look how shit our ticketing platform is. Wow. <laughs> but despite that, look how many people want to use it. And they're happy because, you know, for them in their world, we give them everything they need. It's not it's not the best in the world, but it's everything they need. And they love it. They love the model. They love the price. They love us. They love it's a concept that works. And so that's, you know, despite the platform being average at best. And so that's when you can convince a funder to say, okay, I'm going to find you. And then you go off with the money like we did and you build a yeah. obviously the, the next uh, iteration of your platform so that you become a, a leader in, in, in a platform sense.
0: I love that you went through that process so specifically because I think there's so many, um, um, they get stuck paralysis by analysis, you know, founders or or like, you know, entrepreneurs at the start, they get, they really stop because they want they procrastinate because they want to perfect everything. Right. They want to Mm. think they need to have this perfect system and a lot of like, it's fat, like when you talk about this, like a lot of my clients, you know, end up being like, they want to be these, these perfect, they have this big idea, right. They, but they forget that it does take um, a process to start to build a platform, to build a foundation, you know, mm. it, it, there's a jump off point at some way. And then that's that minimal viable product or minimal successful program or, or whatever you want to call it. And, um, mm. I love that you, so thank you for sharing that. Cause I think there's going to be a lot <laughs> that that really helps a lot and opens up the eyes of so many. Right. So I really, um, I'm curious if I, if you don't mind, if I'll pivot a little bit right now, um, I just no. want to know, so, when you um, look at your um, competitors, you know, I, I say that in quotation marks, quote, competitors, because I believe that really it's a, it's a blue ocean out there. We make a decision by differentiating, um, you know, there really is no competition. Um, if somebody looks at your platform and says, oh, you know, they have that opposite view of like, you know, it's a, it's a not for profit where they're more for profit. And they come from an angle of like you know what like it's 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 not sustainable or growing or it, what's in it for you, you know how do you how would you or how do you because I'm sure you've been there, um, do you respond to that?
1: Uh, so if I understand the question, it's you we've essentially got an event organizer that's skeptical about our model uh, yeah. and, and just a bit like, you know what's this not for profit nonsense? Know, yeah, it we're, like well, it
0: should be for profit, you know what I mean? Or, sure. or, or even a competitor that's doing what you're doing, but they're for profit, right? And they just mm. approach it from that opposite view where, you know, what's mm. in it, what's in it for me, and you're looking at this. So how do you respond yeah. to, to that type of um, criticism, I guess?
1: Sure. Firstly, what's been really nice is we, we haven't got any of that criticism. Sure. And, I, and I think the main reason for that is because, you know, us being an offer profit it's just us as owners choosing what we want to do with the profits of our business, which, you know, if, if I, as an owner, want to own, a, own the profits of my business and go off and buy a nice house, I, I don't get judged by my clients for the house I bought, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, you do with whatever you want. As me and Josh, we've decided to have that all funneled into education programs for disadvantaged kids. Um, So that's, firstly, it's just what we've decided to do with the company's profits. Um, But but secondly, it's, um, we we don't really get any of that pushback because it's so transparent. So when an organizer runs an event on Humanitix, they've got their dashboard with all their, you know, sales analytics and, you know, how each ticket type is selling and all fancy charts and everything they want. But in that right front and center is the impact, um, Uh, widget which as they sell tickets live in real time we report to them exactly how much to the cent has been redistributed from the profits of the booking fees into funding their education project of choice and that means that at any time during ticket sales they're able to tell how much our model has provided in, in in impact and what that translates to in in how many scholarships or how many girls literacy programs throughout the year. So what that actually translates to an impact live in real time at any time. So we have organizers. We have a very clear conversation with organizers, which is our booking fees are lower. Our platform, you know, let us give you a demo and show you why it's better for you because we've built all these fancy features that others don't have. And, you know, we really think we're right up there fighting fit with the best of the platforms in the world. and and we'll show you, and and then they they really respond to that well. But then thirdly, you're going to be able to see exactly how much impact your event is making live in any time. That's like your music festival. And then you're able to go to your community and tell your patrons that have bought tickets to your events, hey, guys, really looking forward to seeing you next next, uh, week or month at the uh, music festival. Um, Just wanted to let you know that we've actually provided three Indigenous scholarships just from... The ticketing of this event because that's what our organization's about and that's what we care about as community and that has not cost the organizer or the consumer anything additional um and so you know if, if somebody wants to it would just be illogical for somebody to say i don't like you because you're not for profit yeah. like, like, would you prefer i got this sense. would you prefer i just got rich is, is yeah. that, weird <laughs> is that weirding you out you know like yeah. So I guess I guess that's probably the biggest reason that we don't yeah. that we don't get that pushback because we we make it make sense for the event organizer. You, you just you would use humanities because it's the logical, you know, good business decision as well as better for the planet decision. So so whether you're super ethical and want, you know, to only use ethical products and you know that type of person, that makes sense to use humanitics. But also we've intentionally positioned it that if you just care about the price and your business and you know community engagements and that, then you'll use humanities too because it makes all the sense in the world. It's really so really, it
0: really it's a no-brainer for any for any business because there's really nobody really using a similar model like that, right? Am I right? Mm.
1: No, no, there's not, and um, yeah, it's like I said that I think that the, re, the biggest reason for that is the barrier to our model is that the founders and owners have to relinquish all mm-hmm. equity share ownership of the company, which means that you can't become a uh, extremely wealthy from the from the enterprise.
0: Yeah. So, you know, you've given us a process behind your business, you've given us kind of, you know, an understanding of what humanitix is all about. You, you talked about, you know, your, yourself, um, your co founder, you know, all these amazing um, experiences and, and tons of successes, um, you know, with connecting uh, with amazing philanthropists, last you know, Google. Now, a lot of people, and you've even discussed, you know, specifically around, um, you know, if you're a startup and you know how you go through that that push and of that resilience. What would be one reason
1: why people fail when they start start a project or start a company or a startup?
0: the startup, a business, the company, um, what do you, what would you say
1: would be one reason people fail? Uh, they probably fail cause they, the biggest reason is they never start. Uh, that's the, that's the, what kills the most ideas. You know, you've, everyone's got some great idea that they've been thinking about that they know is going to work. That then 10 years from now they see pop up and say, Oh, I had that idea first. It's like, oh. Good on you. Yeah. No one cares. Um, the reason that idea failed is because the idea never, never started. Um, so I, I, I think that's the biggest thing that, that fails ideas.
0: That's so clear. And so, so profound because it's so true. And you know, so many people out there just think about what they can do, but it's the people that go out there and play in the arenas as, as you know, um Brene Brown would say right
1: <clears throat> yeah it's that uh, is it a churchill quote yeah <laughs> i think so i'm not you sure was a like, churchill quote yeah oh no roosevelt yeah it was a quote from roosevelt the man Ro- in the arena
0: yeah man in the arena
1: yes yeah. yes yeah, it's a good one
0: um and I think that that's, that's so powerful, right? Like the, if you start, if you go there and you, you really get creative and um, you can make anything happen. So, you know, with with that, I just kind of really wanna, you know, um, ask you what is a really great way, so for anybody that doesn't, hasn't heard about Humanitix or hasn't heard about you, um, yourself, Adam, or, or Josh, what's a good way to connect with you guys or connect with Humanitix if they have more questions they want to find out more information, and of course, for anybody that's driving right now, I'll put these in the show notes so that um, you guys have access to this. But please, if you don't mind, um, Adam.
1: Well, the best way to interact with us is if anyone who's running an event, um, you know, if you do small events or large events and you need a ticketing solution, just jump on humanitix.com. It takes you five seconds to sign up. It's free, and you know, have a play around with the platform. Selling free tickets are free, so if you you know you have a, a barbecue for a hundred people that you want to sell tickets to for free, just use us and, and see what it's all about. And then in there there's you know a live chat function you can which goes straight to here and to our team here in Sydney. There's a number you can call. There's an email address you can reach out to us. Um, you can reach out to me through my profile through this podcast. Um, you know we can we can show you what. This whole new world of ticketing is about. Um, separate to that, if, if if anyone wants to reach out, I mean, we have a Facebook page, a LinkedIn page, um, again, my profile, and you know, if 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 it's of interest to you, reach out. We'd love to have a chat and um, and you know, see where this journey is going to take us to next.
0: I love it, um, and and of course, everybody, I'll have the links. I'll grab all those links from you. Um Adam and we'll we'll throw them in the show notes as well. Um and one last question, because we still have a few minutes. If you had three days to live,
1: what would you do? Oh. It's a really hard question. because <laughs> well, I ask every one of my guests this. Uh, yeah uh it's made particularly harder with the whole pandemic yeah. <laughs> actually because <laughs> you know do i go see my family but then risk giving it to my parents like all these ethical dilemmas <laughs> uh, um i just honestly i'd spend three days spending as much time as possible with the people that are closest to me and that i care about the most i uh, just had a nice i've not, had a nice uh um, flock of lorry kids fly by my window as I, I love love say it. that I'm not sure if it came through on the uh, audio but uh you yeah, know I just I just spend time with uh, the people that I love most so friends like even my co-founder Josh parents family um, my partner Natalie I mean it's just like that's that's what matters at the end of the day I've done a lot of traveling and that's a great thing to do but uh, uh, not not when there's only three days left yeah. you just uh, you just hang out hang out with people that matter.
0: I love it. Human connection, so important.
1: The most, the most important. Absolutely, Mr. Adam, I just want to really thank
0: you for your time. I really want to um, you know appreciate all your insight. Uh, I'm sure there's all of these amazing uh, listeners are going to reach out, and um, I'm excited to keep you know pushing that mission. Um, you know, being a part of it. Uh, you know, myself, if I have any events or friends that have events, um, you know, definitely be going through humanities because it's, it's honestly in the right direction. So blessing nice, to you. Man, that's really kind of you. Yeah. Blessing to you, my friend. Um, blessing to Josh, give him my best. I know he couldn't make it today, but it's totally fine. I'm super excited to meet you guys in person. Um, and just much love all the best. Thank you.
1: Absolute Thank you. pleasure. You too. Hey everyone, thanks
0: for listening to the Resilient Minds Podcast. If you seriously love the episode, please be sure to share it with your friends and click that subscribe button. Do it now! As I continue to grow, I'll be bringing on some leading entrepreneurs into the show. So follow me on Instagram or Facebook and drop a comment or send me a DM. Tell me who you'd love for me to interview and who you'd like to hear more from. Once again, Eric Balance signing off. And remember this, your X factor always determines your Y factor.